you like a lot of football in your podcast told and give hello and welcome to episode five it's the jude bellingham of holding give football podcast it's jude bellingham there jackins he joined real madrid and did not join liverpool this summer did you know that i i I knew that yeah lolza bazinga anyway we're here to talk about the football once again and a fact that you might not know is that steve bruce once scored 19 goals from center back in a single season the man with a head for a cabbage and a penchant for bacon even when you're talking about breaks from playing professional football he was man united's top scorer in 1990 to 1991 notching 13 goals in the league if you're interested 50 appearances across all competitions those 19 goals as i mentioned including four goals in eight european cup winners cup games jack atkins absolutely sensational return there from uh Big fat head himself, Steve Bruce. He has got a massive fat head. It makes you wonder how a man who was clearly so talented, obviously the greatest player never to play for the English national team, it's a famously you know, well-known fact mm. about Steve Bruce, how he could be so incompetent and not understand the game of football as much as he clearly doesn't understand the game of football. It, it just seems to be the way, doesn't it, that like some of the best players are absolutely awful managers and some you know, bog-standard players become absolute geniuses on the touchline they do don't they speaking of Mm. geniuses martin tyler we start off with a football news section of course and one of the biggest news stories of the week is martin tyler leaving sky sports after 33 years of service sky sports themselves confirmed the news saying that he's going to step down from his commentary role ahead of the 23 24 season tyler joined sky back in 1990 shortly before the inauguration of the premier league and his voice has become synonymous with some of english football's most famous moments martin tyler now i know we've got a big cross because, you know, cultaholic wrestling's a thing. There's a big crossover between the football fans and the wrestling fans on this podcast. The comparisons and parallels between Martin Tyler and Jim Ross are staggering. Obviously, the voices of our childhoods, probably the greatest of all times in their respective fields, you know, commentators on their, their different things, and both of them have fallen way off, and I think it's about time Martin Tyler should probably go into retirement. Martin Tyler these last few years has been absolutely awful. Uh, I think it showed how bad he's gotten that every <clears throat> fan base thinks that he has an agenda against their team. Not <laughs> Newcastle. Just, he loves Newcastle. <laughs> he, he bloody hates Liverpool, I'll tell you that. But when I was, uh, you know, thinking about it, thinking, you know, he's, he has been terrible for a few years. He, he said some stupid things as well um, with regards to Hillsborough last year and other things. And he like, you should know better. But then when you go back to, you know, some of the great calls like Aguero, lovely cushion header to Gerard and stuff like that. Like you said, they're just, they're there in the front of your mind. Collie Moore closing in. That's not a didgeridoo, everybody. That is just me (laughs) having a little sad moment. Hey! Hey! I've got a soundboard, everybody. (laughs) This podcast is about to hit new levels, right? So off the back of the... <laughs> You've had that soundboard for weeks and not been able to figure out how to I know, get it working. Just to peel the curtain back, every single time we come on here to do this, I bottle doing the recording properly because I'm scared of the technology. But this week I spent half an hour getting everything ironed out and getting comfortable <laughs> with the stuff. So here we go. It's a wonderful surprise. Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yes, Martin Tyler is the greatest football commentator of all time, in my opinion. I know you got your John Motsons and all that sort of stuff, but I do think Martin Tyler, if you look at the, the, the body of work he has over 50 years or whatever it has to be at this point, it's a, he's, he has done a wonderful job, but it is, it's just the enthusiasm he has to get, like, you riled up for a, a moment in the football match that should get you riled. The, the commentary adds to the moment for me in, in certain mm. examples. And that I go back to that Eric Lamella goal in lockdown where he does that stupid Rabona thing against Arsenal of all teams for Spurs in the bottom corner. And Martin Tyler's like, oh, what a, what a, what a wonderful goal that is. It's, oh, it's gone in. If that goes with an iconic bit of commentary, I think it wins the Ballon d'Or. Mm. <laughs> for the, the greatest goal of the year. I mean, uh, Liverpool versus Man United a few years ago when Christian Benteke scores a peach of an overhead <laughs> kick. And he's like, oh, well done. I was like, welcome to Manchester, Anthony Martial. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, an overhead kick a couple of minutes later. He's like, oh, look, they, they've scored as well. I was like, come on, mate. Bloody hell. Yeah, he's done Martial all- call was good, but, you know, he, he'd used up all his energy. Oh. Yeah. But I, I just think that it's, he does. I know he supports it working. I think he supports in real life, or he claims to, but he definitely had a soft mm. spot for Man United above all the other teams, I thought. I thought he was very yeah. biased towards them. But again, have to caveat that with up until, you know, about 2013, 14, I think is when he probably started to drop off a bit. Up until that point, he was the best football commentator about an iconic, he's just a wonderful man. Anyway, he's been replaced already. Experienced commentator Peter Drury will join Sky Sports to cover Premier League from the start of the 2023-24 season. Peter has won the Football Supporters Association Commentator of the Year three out of the last four seasons, which tells you everything you need to know about this man outside of the Twitter clip you've probably seen going about when he speaks about gods and uh, sort of like uh, things that are very posh and fancy. (laughs) <laughs> he does like to he, he likes to lay it on a bit thick but uh this was the outcome i think everyone wanted yeah. the only thing that would have made it better is if uh, ali mccoist was joined them but um like you were saying there about the the enthusiasm that tyler had peter drury's got that in spades i think it's a hell of a pickup by sky sports i'm glad they did it it's one of those things you didn't think they'll actually do just because he has peter drury was doing the champions league when i was a kid on itv i think it was mm. him and uh i've forgotten his name completely now so that's cause just ruined that story i've had an atkins moment from last week where i've forgotten who i was talking about um but it's a, <laughs> you just didn't think that you get like he obviously got he's established i think he's in the comc i read a thing earlier and it's stuck in my mind he's in the comcast family already so he mm. does like uh coverage for american tv and that american tv company but belongs to the same thing that Sky Sports over here does or something like that. So he obviously he's so synonymous with other channels apart from Sky that you wouldn't think after all these years that Sky would put him on their airwaves, but I'm glad they have. Uh, it's, I mean, the door's open for Warren Barton to jump across as well, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> Robbie Earl. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other one? Is it Effin Okoku they have over in America? Oh, it's, it's, it's been a while since I've legally watched American coverage of football. Um, but Efnikoku does, uh, does ring a bell. Ring a bell in this brain that never works when we record a podcast. Dilly ding, dilly dong. Just in case you're wondering, uh, Peter Drew will join the likes of Rob Hawthorne, Bill Leslie, Seb Hutchinson, Dan Mann, Gary Weaver and Ian Crocker for the new campaign. Hmm. Hopefully Andy Hinchcliffe, who is obviously the other side of the commentary table, he's like the colour commentator if you want to the play-by-plays of Peter Drury and people like that. Hopefully he gets the boot because he's the most infuriating man in football. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a hard mantle to reach that being like the most hated man in football commentary, but the way that Andy Hinchcliffe, yes, he played for England, yes, he played in the Premier League in the 90s, the way that he can just go, oh, well, Erling Haaland should have just bicycle kicked that in from 45 yards. What the hell's he playing at? It, oh, it gets me, oh. <laughs> 
he's trying to get the sound bites, isn't he? I think that's the thing driving Hinchcliffe. You're saying about uh, hated commentators, though. Do you remember when Mick McCarthy was part of the commentary panel for was the 2010 World Cup? Yeah. At first, he was awful. And by the end of the tournament, every time I heard McCarthy was on, I was so happy. <laughs> I remember, I think, I can't remember what game it was, obviously. Um, but uh, the goalkeeper went down. And he went, oh, no, he's just being a big tart in my book. <laughs> You can't say that, Mick. He's, he's brilliant. If any man can, it is Mick McCarthy. But did you just say a goalkeeper went down there? I think so, yeah. I'll have to call the ambulance. Go on. There's the ambulance, everybody. It's just driving away now, everybody. Bye-bye, ambulance. Anyway, Robert Lewandowski reveals retirement plans to Mundo Deportivo. What does his future hold? This is what he said. My retirement? It's close. It is very possible I will finish my career in Barcelona, where I and my family feel very comfortable. I felt... I felt I scored five or six goals less because I had to do other things. My role was important not only on the pitch, but also off it. I had to fit in a new role. Only after my contract ends, I will start asking myself if I want to keep playing, is what he said about his, well, his future plans at the moment. He's, you know, he's getting on a bit, isn't he? He scored 344 goals Mm -hmm. in 375 games for Bayern Munich, which is unbelievable. Uh, Last season, I didn't realise how good of a season he had, as Barcelona won the first league title of theirs for four years in the last season in the new camp as we know it. Um, He scored 23 La Liga goals, did Robin Lewandowski. So, fair play to him. Yeah, I looked it up because he's one of those players that, because he's been around for that long, playing at such a high level. In my head, he was older than I thought. He's 34. He's exactly three months older than me. (laughs) And, you know, we have uh, different levels of talent, obviously. Um, But, like, in the modern game, 34 is the new, what, 29, really, isn't it? So, he signed a four-year deal with Barca, so I can easily see him banging in and banging him in until he decides to hang up his boots. Yeah, when when will he go to Saudi Arabia? That's the big question. Or the MLS, mm. I guess that's another question we should throw out there. I'd love to see him in the Premier League, though. I, d- I think it's very unlikely, but the way you always see those meme pages about the soccer in the summer where they're, they're showing people doing pre-season training, he's always the buffest of all the boys. Mm. It's Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> Remember he used to say, like, oh, Ronaldo never skips leg day with a nice picture of his veiny horse legs. And then you've got yeah. Robert Lewandowski just there just looking like Dave Batista from 2010. It's wonderful. <laughs> Get me in the prem. It's like in the nineties when they decided that they were going to make films of uh, Dennis Rodman. There's a Jean Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman film. I now want an action film star Robert Lewandowski and Batista. <laughs> I don't even know what you would call it. I was about to make some sort of Batman and Robert thing happen there, but it wasn't going to happen. So let's move on to Marcus Rashford. He was apparently on the verge of signing a new bumper contract at Manchester United, which is supposed to be. And football's, we know football's broken at this point, but for Marcus Rashford, be getting an excess of £300,000 a week, making him the club's highest paid player when they inevitably get rid of David De Gea, who I think is on something like 375 or something mm. like that. Um, the 25-year-old's been locked in talks with his boyhood club, a refresh deal for much of the Last year, his contract was set to expire this summer, but Man United triggered an extension to give him one more time or more time to thrash out negotiations. Thoughts on Rashford being three hundred thousand pounds a week? Um, <laughs> well, in my head, like the peak for a player is like oh, but one hundred and twenty grand a week—that's fair. Um, but three hundred—it does seem a bit excessive. And until about halfway through the season, I think, I know I expected him to leave United because we thought, oh, you know, he's, he's 
he's kind of petered out. And then he went on that. He had that purple patch, didn't he, where he was just banging him in for fun. And as loath as I am to say it, I really like him. He's he's a good footballer and he's a really good bloke. And I'm just like, oh, why are you playing for the, the baddies <laughs> of English football? Um, you know, I'm not biased at all, but hey, if it's it, it's that thing, isn't it? You, you you I suppose you can put a price on anything from football, but you can't put a price on, you know, a hometown boy leading the charge. So Sodic, give, give him the money. It's it's not the fans' money; it's the company's money. At the end of the day, isn't it? So yeah, you know what I've just thought of there—the thing I saw on Twitter this week, which means it's obviously got to be true. Looking at Rashford, there three hundred grand a week made me think of Haaland's deal getting revealed this week. Apparently, he's on eight hundred and seventy-five grand a week. So when you put it in those terms, I think three hundred grand a week is about right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play to Marcus Rashford. I agree with everything you said there. I was being a bit of an arsehole with the because when you just in my mind when you think of three hundred grand a week, you think of like the world's best players. And I don't know yeah. that's not really how football works anymore. But uh, I think Rashford obviously he's obviously a very good player, one of England's best attacking players at the minute. But uh, now that I've put the 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 Haaland figure in my head, I guess Rashford that price makes complete sense. And I just talk nonsense <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Speaking of that, Trent Alexander Arnold is now the world's best number ten as he showed for England over the past two games against. Malta and North Macedonia. The assist for Bukayo Saka's second goal against North Macedonia. I'm gonna. It was good without knowing this, but now that you do know this, there was an interview with, with Saka where he revealed after the game that he had been warned just a few moments earlier during the half-time interval that the pass was coming his way, so he knew where to be. This is what he said. He said, Trent's a top player. Um, at half-time, he said to me he was going to do that pass. When I scored, I was looking for him to thank him. I didn't have to break my stride. It was already an unbelievable, just, you know, on the move, just sort of wrapping his foot round it, getting it down the line into a nice little area for Saka to take it down and thwack it in the top corner. But now, you know, he just went, all right there, lad. <laughs> all right there, lad. How's it, how's it calm down? I'm going to do this for you now there, pal. Now that you know he's done that, Jarkins, it makes yeah. it even more better, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that, that was an exceptional impersonation of Jimmy Tarbuck there, but... Um... <laughs> We've been we've been saying this for years, Liverpool fans. When everyone wanted to, it was there was a phrase I picked up from somewhere the other year, um, when there was the debate, you know, the whole Reese James versus Trent Alexander Arnold debate, um, and it was that Trent Alexander Arnold might not be the best fullback in the league, but he's the best player that plays at fullback, if that makes sense. He's exceptional. Um, I won't lie. I didn't even know the game against North Macedonia was on until on Twitter <laughs> and everyone just went, oh, there's another one, is there? Because um, I thought it was just the 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 Malta game and that was it. But um, seeing that, he's done stuff like that for Liverpool for years now and he's still only in his early 20s. Um, the unfortunate thing is there's now a portion of the Liverpool fan base who are just like, oh, let's put a bid in for Saka. It's like, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> He's just signed a new contract at Arsenal, hasn't he? How much would he cost? Yeah. Far too much. He's the golden boy, isn't he? But was that? A, I think it is. He now on eleven goals for England or something daft at twenty-one. It must be up there. He scored a few in the yeah. World Cup as well. And obviously, got a hat trick against uh, North Macedonia. Um, yeah. He's got to be up there in those numbers, yeah. But that, that finish from him was superb. But Trent Alexander Arnold, he's he's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to next season to see him where he's played because. We cha- uh, Liverpool changed their formation 
the end second half of the season because we were terrible uh, and then we started playing him more in midfield there's been shout about playing him in midfield for years there's been a you know a couple of experiments here and there but going forward we, we still don't know if he is going to be permanently moved to midfield or if he's still going to be in this hybrid kind of full back into midfield you know give and go kind of position uh we've been linked with a few full backs but it's just newspaper chatter but what are you saying? World's best number 10. Who, who needs number five, Jude Bellingham? Yeah. <laughs> we might as well talk about that because I was, I was going to put that at the end of the news segment, but we'll do about it now. Bellingham outlines when he picked Real Madrid over Liverpool. He said, The exact moment of known to Joe Real Madrid is difficult to say. I've always really admired the club, but there was that final against Liverpool. That was a huge factor. There were many things that made me decide. And he goes on to speak about money and whatnot. But what I've picked up from there is the fact he saw that final in Paris against uh, Liverpool. Was it 2022? Yes, I've got that right. Yeah. Um, and it, that's when he made his mind up. That's what he's saying there. In the in the in, in between the lines of that sentence there. So how does that make you feel? The, the final where Liverpool absolutely battered Real Madrid, <laughs> but Thibaut Courtois just had the best game of his career. I mean, it's... Just say that you were sweet talk by Zidane and you want to wear the white shirt. That's fine. It's it's fine to say you've got a preference for a team. And I hate all this stuff saying, oh, it's not about the money. It's like, go play Sunday League then. Like, I, I, I want footballers to be like, obviously, I want to play for the badge. I want to play for the supporters. And it doesn't hurt the fact that I'm a multi-millionaire before I've turned 20. <laughs> it's, it's more refreshing, but... Yeah, you can't blame him. I think with a lot of Liverpool fans, we always kind of knew that he was going to join Madrid. <laughs> um, but where we were saying in in previous weeks, that midfield is absolutely frightening going forward. It really is. And all the best here, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it, it does bring an interesting point round about Trent for next season because I think Gareth was, was saying that it looks like a bit of a long-term thing because him, oh sorry, Trent being in midfield because I was looking at the option, the potential midfield three England could line up with like going forwards for the next few years could be Rice is more in the deeper role alongside Bellingham, alongside Trent, like a little like Rice, Bellingham, Trent, like a, a curve mm. up the pitch if, if you want. That's unbelievable that potentially. Yeah. But will, just... will Gareth continue to pick him there if if Klopp continues to pick him at right back? Is that an issue? That's even an issue. I'm not too sure because I know uh, you've been saying about with like Club England and stuff like that. Southgate just didn't fancy Trent for yeah. whatever reasons, and I was just going, "Oh, actually, he could be he could be the second coming of Perlo. Um, <laughs> let's get him in there." But no, it's whatever. Whatever is beneficial for all sides really I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that i i want uh england to do well at the expense of liverpool I'm a, I'm a club guy through and through as long as he doesn't get injured as long as he doesn't get played to death fine he's going to fine. so get ready for that one now that yeah, he's found that's a, definitely a starting role he's never going to get a rest again killing mbappe now i like this this headline from i think it was 90minutes.com who said the killing mbappe is paid around 14 million a year that's in pounds to wear the nike boots which covered his right foot um to he used to sweep in his 54th goal of the 22-23 season a record for any frenchman in a single competition juste fontaine was wearing a pair of boots borrowed when he netted three of his 53 goals to set the previous benchmark uh, back in 1957-1950 it's taken 65 years for Fontaine's single season tally to be bettered with the likes of Michel Platini, Zinedine Zidane or Thierry Henry all falling short of the Moroccan-born striker. I like that little story from way back when. Borrowed a pair mm. of boots to score a hat-trick in. 
It's fantastic, isn't it? I didn't realise that that record had been standing for so long as well. That's why it's in the news section today, because I didn't either. Killing Mbappe, yeah. breaking that French record there. 54 goals uh, this 2022-2023 campaign, only bettered by Erling Haaland, who I think scored his 50... Or was his... Was it 55 last night for Norway's West Saturday on Wednesday? He scored his 175th goal this season for Norway last night, did Haaland. <laughs> and Mbappe's sort of close to him, but not quite. It's robots, aren't they? They are robots. It's not even fair anymore. Cristiano Ronaldo elsewhere in international news. He marked his record. This is stupid. 200th game for Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. Do you know when people are going, oh, bloody hell, David Beckham getting 125. How does he do it, eh? 125 yeah. games for England. How does he do it? Ronaldo playing the way he plays or play or played. I guess he's a bit different now. 200th game for Portugal. He scored an 89th minute winner in their victory over Iceland on Tuesday. Ronaldo is the first men's player to reach such a milestone at international level. He made his senior Portugal debut all the way back in August 2003 against Kazakhstan. The 37-year-old extended another impressive record as the all-time leading scorer in international football, chalking up his 123rd goal (laughs) in that same game against Iceland. So there's 200 games for Portugal, 123 goals for a guy who didn't really score bags of goals for his first five, six, seven years playing football. So, wow. Yeah, it's Cristiano he's a, Ronaldo. He's an arsehole, but it, he got to respect the guy. <laughs> I remember thinking like he was the worst thing about football. Then the, I think it was about when he joined it. When he around about the time he joined Madrid, he did like a thing on Sky Sports where they were like putting him through all these fitness tests, like how high can you jump, how quick can you run, that sort of thing. And I remember just watching him jump, just a vertical jump straight in the air, and you just think, ooh, I, I tell you what, when he did the first jump, I was a bit like. Stop there! What the hell's that? <laughs> hey, this soundboard has got the potential to make this the greatest podcast in the world. <laughs> Somebody clip that and share that. Joe Rogan didn't do that, for example, does he? Hey, all the big podcasts in the world, they can't do that. Yeah, and, you know, like the Joe Rogan podcast, we have a clueless idiot sat on one side <laughs> of the microphone. <laughs> does that make me the expert, then? Yeah, go for it, yeah. Get in. So yeah, Ronaldo. What? Do you, yeah, what do you make of him? <laughs> he said he's an arsehole, but he's fantastic. <laughs> um, and he's he's not slowing down. How old is he now? All right, let, let me have a quick. Thirty-seven. Look. Is he? I thought he was older than that. Still, swine. Yeah. <laughs> Good looking man. Hell of a player. And like you said, like no, he's thirty-eight. 38 is he thirty-eight? Oh, 38. bollocks. Maybe God, I'm not yeah. the expert. Hang your head in shame. I oh, know. Um, like you said, it, it wasn't until he got to Madrid that he just started absolutely knocking them in for fun. So, what what was that? 123 goals and 200 appearances. Yeah, go for it, mate. Bournemouth. <laughs> From Cristiano Ronaldo to Bournemouth. <laughs> They've sacked Gary O'Neill this week. O'Neill initially took over at the Vitality Stadium on an interim basis after the club sacked Scott Parker after De Reds put nine past them. Ooh. Yeah, it was good, that one. It was and good, then, yeah. And it was, it was terrible for us for the next, like, eight months. Then, so. <laughs> of course, he got a positive run of form for Bournemouth after that 9-0 loss and was given the job on a permanent basis. He finished um, the Premier League season. He got Bournemouth into 15th place, well clear of the bottom three. I know they lost the final four games of the season, I think, but did that mm. really matter? I don't know. Um, this is what their chairman, Bournemouth chairman, Bill Foley, had to say. Gary's achievement last season is one I will always be grateful for. I bet you will be. This is 
been a difficult decision, but it has been made with the great consideration to best position ourselves ahead of the coming season. As a club... <clears throat> Excuse me. We have put in plans in place for a long-term success with improvements being made to the infrastructure, most notably the development of the new state-of-the-art training facility and the ongoing discussions around upgrades to our stadium. Ooh, uh. Uh, Gary will go on to have a long career as a head co- coach or manager but we feel that at this moment in time a change is in the best inter- interest of this football club I would like to place on record my thanks to Gary and wish him all the best for the future now initially I was thinking how could they do this to Gary O'Neill he's got mm. Bournemouth who everyone had written off in the summer as just going straight back down especially after that 9-0 loss to Liverpool where Scott Park was like how can we compete bruv uh, they get to spend. They get to spend a hundred million, and I get you Thrapnins ain't being a bag of peas. I'm a meant to compete in the Premier League. I don't know. Uh, after that nonsense, and he was given the boot. Um, he got them playing some all right football. I think it was all about survival. It wasn't really. It was not style over substance. It was substance over style. But that's what you have to do when you're down at the bottom of the league. But then I realised that. Bournemouth spent about 60, 70 million quid in January, which went mm. under my radar especially. And maybe the aspirations of the chairman, I quite like the chairman's statement there, just saying, like, in the best interest of the club, we're looking to improve everything. Maybe Gary O'Neill isn't the guy who can take us to the next level. Maybe Andoni Iriariola is. I can't say his name. <laughs> Iriariola. Oh, my God. I'm having a stroke, yeah? <laughs> Mina Raiola. That's that's, that's, was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was the, the agent, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but what do you make of Bournemouth? Because I think I've turned my, my thought process around, maybe thinking if they are going to go for it next year and they are looking to just make every factor of, or facet of the club better, maybe getting someone in who the owner wants to be there rather than someone who was just given the job because they couldn't find anyone else at the time, maybe that is a better in the long run. On paper, it, yeah, you, you can't really follow that logic, but what's he expecting you know that that kind of middle ground of the premier league it's just it's it's hard to break out of it consistently you'll get like a team a season will you know bump up there and then you know oh they've got a surprise run for europe but you know what's he hoping next year oh we finished 15th this year maybe 13th next season that's <laughs> not me putting down bournemouth by any stretch it's just it's the reality of it really but if if I was a, a Bournemouth fan, I, I suppose you can take solace in the fact that the owner is trying to be proactive. I, I suppose he's spending money, he's trying to get names in. Um, the only thing when, when the because when did they, when did they sack O'Neill? Because it felt like they sacked O'Neill, and about ten minutes later they went and here's Andoni Ariola. Yeah, it was just they a couple must... of days ago where it all came out, and I was I was watching yeah. Talk Sport on YouTube at the time, and Jim White was like, "Let's hold that there for a second there and hear this." Like, oh, I can't be able to do that now. But he basically broke the news live on there, and then all of a sudden it felt like maybe an hour or two later. That's when mm. Mister Andoni was um, <laughs> appointed as the new manager. Yeah, they, they, he he must have had his ear to the ground, Chairman Bill Foley. Um, he must have known this was coming. He thought, right, we, we've got to make a move for this guy now. So, you know, thanks for everything, Gary O'Neill. See you later. Yeah, because I'm just, again, I'm on, I'm on the side of the owner in this in this instance, which is probably, you know, sacrilege for many football fans. Where's the loyalty and stuff like that? Um, mm. But, 
just imagine the situation where Bournemouth don't get off to a good start. They spend a little bit more in the summer. Obviously, all the pressure's on now. Gary O'Neill, he's got them 15th. They've got to finish higher because that's how football works. Imagine if they lose their first few games or something and everyone's just like, oh, it's only Gary O'Neill. He was just he was the interim manager, wasn't he? He wasn't, he wasn't even a manager before he took over there. They'd be yeah. calling for his head already, wouldn't they? So maybe yeah. they're, they're jumping that particular gun, if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah, and like you're saying, it's it's no disrespect to Gary O'Neill, but he doesn't exactly fill your heart with joy. It's like, oh, we get to watch Gary O'Neill's Bournemouth this week. Uh, at least, you know, Iriol has been building his resume and taking steps up and steps up and seems like he can get some, you know, level of consistency. So good luck to him at Bournemouth. Yeah, what do we know about Mr. Andoni? Because I can't do his second name. Arioli. No, I'm not going to bother. Uh, he got Real <laughs> Valcano's first win over Barcelona in 19 years. His first, first venture into management was was, was A.E.K. Larkana, Larsana in, Cypri- in Cyprus. And they got, got them to the... I'm having a stroke today. He got them to the Europa League group stage for only the second time. Then he took over little-known Spanish second division side Mirandes and steered the team destined for relegation to a mid-table finish, as well as leading them to the semi-finals of the Copa del Rey, knocking out La Liga heavyweights Celta Vigo, Sevilla and Villarreal along the way. Then he took over at Rio Vallecano, where expectations were low, but he inspired them to the promotion uh, promotion via the playoffs, overcoming a 2-1 home defeat by Girona uh, to win the second leg 2-0, despite playing most of that second second half in that game apparently with 10 men and despite I, I read some I think it was on the BBC Sport website that I read that Rio in the opinion of whoever wrote the piece are the worst run club in Spain so this guy put uh, despite the infrastructure crumbling around them Rio are now established in La Liga and finished 11th last season and are even pushing for, well even pushing for European football earlier in the campaign and this is all down to Mr Mr. Andoni. So it would appear that wherever he's been he's exceeded expectations and maybe that's what's got you know because you know, Mr. Foley, the chairman, will know that Bournemouth are probably going to be outside of Luton, the smallest club in the league next season. So maybe he's thinking, well, we've got a manager who's used to being, you know, punching against the big boys and all that sort of vernacular. He can do a similar thing for us. So what we're saying is, is it going to be one of those where Bournemouth get a shock, like three nil will win over Chelsea in the first like two months of the league or something daft? Why aye? It'd be like when yeah. Pochettino took over at, at uh, Southampton. Mm. Remember that? Who's yeah, this guy? Can't even speak English. Oh my God, they're really good. <laughs> <laughs> like you're saying there about his, his progression as a manager, it, it is just, I don't think baby steps is the words, but it's like, oh, you've done well there. Let's give you this slightly bigger challenge. Oh, you've done well there. Let's give you this slightly bigger challenge. So um, again, on paper, it's it seems like a shrewd move by the Bournemouth chairman. Yeah, what seemed well, you speak about a manager going up the par- up the pyramid. I guess now we're speaking about a guy going sideways or downwards in the pyramid. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is back at Celtic. That was confirmed this week. He was manager and won two league titles oh, at Celtic previously, I should say, and won two league titles between 2016 2018. He was sacked by Leicester in April, of course. Leicester went down. I think Rodgers was wanting to jump ship before he was actually pushed. What he said about getting the job again, he said, when I was given the privilege of being asked to join the club again, I was. it was a very simple decision for me and my family the club is in fantastic condition at all levels and I would like to thank the board for putting their trust in me to to take the team forward we will work very closely together as we strive to bring that success to our supporters let's get to work he's an arse isn't he he's just a he should be working for a call centre and he should be having pep rallies every single Monday morning come on guys I know you don't want to be here but let's go let's all get to work and work together to make things fun like Bob the Builder 
He's he's got great character though. You can't you can't deny that. Wonderful character, great human being. Colo Torre is probably licking his lips now, thinking, "Oh, I've got a job here. <laughs> it went horribly wrong at Wigan, but Brendan's back in football." I love Colo Torre. I loved him at Liverpool. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've we've mentioned this for the last few weeks because it seemed to have been rumbling on, and most uh, Celtic fans have gone, "Ah, oh, no, not not Brendan Rodgers again." <laughs> um, you saying, yeah, it's. I think it's a good move for him. Yeah. And the kind of man that Brendan Rodgers seems, I think he is also thinking that. He's not thinking, oh, nice challenge with Celtic. He's just thinking, get a couple more trophies. People will think Brendog's the man again, and then we can go, I don't know, <laughs> Leeds or something. Um, it's just Brendan Rodgers, isn't it? Yeah. it? It'll get them playing a, a decent style of football until he gets bored, um, and they'll probably win everything in Scotland. Well, Rangers are up there this time, which I think is the big difference from the last time he was in Scotland. Mm. So if they could outcome, like out, well, come out on top against Rangers and all the all the competitions and whatnot, I guess that'll be the measure of his success. As will how they do in Europe, because did did they lose every group game in the Champions League last year? I think I might be right in saying that. I can't remember maybe. though. So yeah. maybe that's the big thing. See how they progress in the Champions League. Piccolo Torre, happy man, and that's all that matters in the world of football. That is all the big news outside of transfers. I was going to put the big transfers of the week in the news, but there's been that many over the past seven days. I'm going to do a separate video, which is coming to the channel Thursday morning. So get your eyes and ears peeled for that one. We move on now <laughs> to the highlight of the week. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing now. Uh, we'll do that. The highlight of the week. Hey, <laughs> eh? Nifty. Thank you very much. I'm going to go for Bukayo Saka for my highlight of the week. He's yeah. obviously had a bit of a topsy-turvy time as an England player. We'll remember the penalty against Italy and all that sort of stuff, getting murdered by um, Cellini, having his shirt pulled back and all that sort of stuff. He bounced back from that wonderfully well for a man with such a young head on his young shoulders because they are the same age as they are attached to the same body. Um, and ever since then, both for Arsenal, both for club and country, he's been absolutely fantastic. I think he was, I hope I'm right in saying he was in my team of the season for the Premier League. I think he was. I hope I'm not lying there. Um, yeah. But obviously he's capped this week off with a wonderful uh, hat-trick for England. I know it was only against North Macedonia, but you can only score against who was in front of you. And on that occasion, they were in front of him and he put the ball in the net three times. As we said earlier about the Trent assist, his second goal was out of this world, took it down wonderfully well. Yes, the defender, you might say, was a little bit hesitant. That would maybe happen in the Premier League, so he just took the shot on as and when he could. But he still put the ball in the roof of the net. Keeper had no chance, so Saka's hat-trick for England is my highlight of the week. And again, I've, I've been watching the FA's YouTube channel because I'm a sad guy with no life. And uh, watching him just interact around the place, it's, it's clear that everyone loves the guy. He's a lovely fella, and it just he, he feels like your son, even though he's not your son. I, I could pick him up and cradle him in my arms. <laughs> I'd love to see that. That'd be <laughs> wonderful. We were saying the other week, wasn't it, when the, the news came out that he signed a new deal with Arsenal, that he just looks like he's having so much fun with his football and... Yeah, you can see it again from uh, the internationals this week. But like you said, that you, you can only score who's against who's in front of you. But the the confidence, even you know North Macedonia, whoever, but the confidence to strike that um, was it his second goal, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, the the one with that Trent assist. Oh, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Oh, 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 oh lovely. Um, so I think we're both agreed on our highlight of the week this week being soccer, even though you hate the English national team. 
Oh no, that's not my. It's not my highlight of the week. It's a highlight of the week. <laughs> what is your highlight of the week? My highlight of the week, and we, we've all seen it. It was a San Jose Earthquakes match, and that fella pinging a footy from the goal line <laughs> all the way into the center circle. It was. I was watching it again last night on my phone. I was just sat. I was going to say in bed, but on top of bed because it's far too warm. And uh, Sean, my girlfriend, she was reading us and we just went, look at this, look how satisfying that is. Oh, oh. And even she went, oh, yeah, it's quite nice, that. <laughs> um, I haven't, I've, I've just, as soon as it happens, just like every football account I follow is just like, look at this filth. This is disc- oh. I've not actually read up anything about it because I don't want to know anything else about it. I don't want to know who it was. I don't want to, I assume it was a halftime thing to probably win a car or something. I don't care what they want. <laughs> That's beautiful. He's won my respect. It was. But if Imagine seen how it, many. Yeah. If we were to get on a football pitch, right? Maybe that's a video I should do. Recreating insert name of San Jose earthquake fan to redo. How many times would you have to try to get that ball to land where that ball landed? Um, I don't think I could ever do it. He's not, it's the way. It's. I. I now believe in God after watching that because it's the way the ball sort of rolls over the center circle and sort of comes back slightly. And nestles yeah. right in the centre of it. I now believe in a higher power. <laughs> it was responsible for that. I, I like the idea of there of there being a higher power, and it's like the equivalent of flicking through the telly and seeing like what's on. He's like, "Oh, what's going on here?" It's like, "There you go, right in the centre circle. Have a good one. See you later." But it was a, uh, it was wonderful. Yours wins because yeah. that's never going to happen again. <laughs> you say this, strange things have happened. Saka could score another hat trick ring for England, but no fan will ever put the ball <laughs> that much in the centre of the centre spot ever again. <laughs> um, right, so we move on from the highlight of the week, the highest of highs, to the twat of the week, the twattest of twats. I like cats. You take that back. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first this time since I went first for the highlight? Um. No, I'll, I'll give it to you. I've it's there's not really been many twats this week. There hasn't, has there? I was struggling no. a bit as well, but one that stuck out. And I've got a caveat me pick by saying I know that football for footballers is a job, and when you yeah. get offered fifteen times the money to do the same job in a warmer climate, you're probably going to take it. But I believe there's still romance in football, and I still believe there's that will to, to be the best. And the fact that Ruben Neves is going to Al Hilal for £47 million at the age of 26 when he could have gone, apparently, to Barcelona. Apparently, Man United have been sniffing around him in recent times. Apparently, was it Liverpool, maybe, a couple yeah, of years ago? Sniffed who sniffed about him, yeah. about him, yeah. All these teams who are at the top of the game have been sniffing about Ruben Neves, but he's gone to Saudi Arabia. He's gone to a retirement league again. Who knows, in two years' time, the way that league's going, we could be speaking about being the place to be in the world of football, which is a terrifying prospect. But right now, as we're sat here, it's not a competition on the level of the Premier League or the Champions League or anything like that, where Ruben Neves should be. So the fact he's gone there, yes, I understand it's a job and he's taking the money and we would probably do the same as human beings, providing for your families and whatnot. Because you think, if he plays there for three years, he's probably... He's, I mean, he's set for life anyway, but he's probably set several generations of his family up for life yeah. if he plays there for three years. But the fact is, apparently, according to Sky Sports News, agreed personal terms, the formal announcement is expected at some time this week when he could have gone to Barcelona, that move has stalled according to Sky Sports. That's a twatty thing for me. It's such a shame. Yeah, it's... Uh, Dan Heppel said it best when he said he's got all the hallmarks of when Oscar went to, chi- uh, to China. Mm. Um, It's a mad one, but like you said, it... it it, it it all depends in two, in two seasons' time. We could be looking back at it saying, oh, he made 
he, he threw his career in the bin or he could be just like oh what a shrewd almost uh you know clairvoyant move there by ruben neves to predict the the success of the saudi league yeah um, it, could, it is just the, the continuation you think of ruben neves when he captained porto in the champions league at the age of 18 since then mm-hmm. He went to Wolves when they're in the championship and he went, I think he got as high as eighth in the Premier League. I think he might have got a cup final somewhere along the way as well or a cup semi-final at Wembley. Um, but that's as high as that went. Obviously, Wolves, I think, had a European campaign as well. So I guess we'll throw that in there. But for a player of that talent to reach that, that being the pinnacle of his career in terms of like sheer competition, ah, come on now. He's 26, he should be kicking on and winning everything. Should he not? Is that yeah, good? Definitely, considering that uh, all the other moves... The Saudi Arabia and the rumored ones have all been like fellas aged about thirty five or something like that. It uh, stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, it's it's a it, the big. It is the biggest and most scary one so far, I think, though, because it is the player in their prime going to Saudi Arabia. But we'll speak more about that later on, as you've probably seen the big question on the title of this podcast. We'll go through all the moves that have been confirmed, are going to be confirmed, and have been rejected. I found I found a big compilation. Thanks to ESPN in America. So if it's wrong, blame them. But we'll go through that later and speak about this Saudi league. Could it be the end of football as we know it? We now move on to the Roberto Mailbaggio. Uh, I'm running out of sound effects. Uh, the Roberto Mailbaggio. <laughs> the, the, the Dino Mailbaggio. <laughs> that was fireball, apparently. I need more sound effects for next week's podcast. <laughs> anyway, if you want to get in contact with the Roberto Mailbaggio, it is ross at holdandgive.com. That's ross at holdandgive.com. Com. Dear Ross and Jack, following on from your discussion of BT Sport's awful and unprofessional coverage of the UEFA Champions League final, how often do you find that how you look at a particular football match is directly affected by the channel that it is broadcast in the game? For example, since Channel 4 got the exclusive rights to all of the three Lions non-tournament matches, I found myself not feeling as invested in the England games as I was when the BBC or ITV were broadcasting those matches. I don't feel the way that... Um, I don't feel... I don't know why I feel that, by the way, but as Channel 4's present always comes across a bit cheap and low-key to me. Uh, Plus, Channel 4 is not a broadcaster I normally associate with live sport. Maybe it's just me. Also, whenever the FA Cup final or World Cup final is broadcast on both the BBC and ITV, I always turn the BBC coverage almost instinctively. (coughs) Excuse me. Tell me what your views are on this. Thoroughly enjoying the podcast so far. (laughs) Up the hold and give from Fergus Jefferson Leicester. Yeah, uh, Especially that final point about when the FA Cup final, World Cup final, I always go for BBC over ITV as well. You know what the main reason for that in like the modern era is? Go on. The commentary team of Sam Matterface and Lee Dixon. The ham sandwich bottle of water ready salted crisps Tesco meal deal <laughs> of the football commentary world. They are boring <laughs> as I don't even know what is that boring. They are awful. That's the yeah. main reason you go to BBC just to get away from those two burks. I think I think for me as well, it was just always a thing uh, from childhood. I remember my dad going mad when ITV got the fo- uh, the rights to the Formula One because the mandatory advert breaks because there's no actual break in Formula One. And he said, watch this. One time they'll go to break and someone will overtake and it'll come. And it happened once and he went absolutely berserk. <laughs> so I think just since then, I'm just like, you're safe with the BBC. You know where you're going to sit. Um, but yeah, the, the, it. There is a kind of unconscious bias, I think, like with we've got the Ashes on this week and I miss the Ashes being on Channel 4, even though, again, it'd have to go to break. But there was just something about, ah, you put on Channel 4, there's Richie Beno having a sandwich. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, 
Do you remember, you may have been a bit too young for this, but uh, in the late 90s when Channel 5 was still fairly fresh and they used to get the occasional, um, they used to get some footy and it was just Jonathan Pierce on his own. And it was like his first major um, time, like lead, because he did bits for Match of the Day and on radio and stuff like that for years, but it was his first time as like and the Robot main Wars. Man. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Well, it was around the same time as Robot Wars. Everyone's like, look at this young up-and-coming whiz kid. He's the voice of Channel 5 footy. He's the voice of Robot Wars. But I remember at the time, my brother just being like, he's fantastic, this guy. He's just giving it the absolute bifters on commentary. But again, it's it's one of those now. I couldn't tell you if when Channel 5 have any sports and if they do who the commentary team is. But yeah, I, I think it's just it's something that... when It's like when, when you find a good... Good brand of underpants. Once you got one, that's that's for you. That's that's just you, then, isn't it? Yeah, and I think especially yeah. when it comes to football coverage, it all just depends who's on. Because obviously, all these channels now have rotating casts, and it yeah. literally does come down to a case by case basis for me. For example, if I'm on BBC and I see Ian Wright and Shearer, I know I'm in for a good time. If I see yeah. Micah Richards and Jamie Carragher with Terry Henry and Kate Abdo on the American ones on Twitter and whatnot, because that's all we get over here, just the little highlights packages on the YouTube channel and stuff like that, I'm invested. But if I flick on Sky sports and i see jamie redknapp uh flanked by i don't know jermaine genus or someone like that i just think nah, there's not there's more there's better things to do in my time than listen to these two speak yeah i, I saying about mika richards like at, at first i was kind of like oh, i'm not too sure but now i love him it's he's a brilliant. new he's he's made everyone realize that football pundits took football too seriously i think because yeah, exactly. It, who who really? Ca- I mean, there was a period of time, especially on Monday Night Football, when Neville and Carragher first started like being a twosome, uh, where you really felt like you were you were learning new things about football that you didn't get previously from like TV coverage, and that was wonderful for the first few years until Gary Neville started becoming an absolute gob. Um, you know what about everything in the world ever and being hypocritical in most instances as well uh, taking your yeah. guitar punitary money while lambasting stuff in guitar being a prime example of that you are Gary Neville um, <laughs> but ever since ever since those ever since they have well, especially Neville. It's not so much Carragher's obviously Carragher's with Mika Richards and Thierry Henry on, on CBS and all that sort of stuff ever since Mika Richards has come along I just think everyone just wants to have a laugh now watching football like who who honestly cares about like patterns of play that much yeah <laughs> to have it like completely broken down into chunks like here's why this person went there and here's why that person went there it's nice to see on occasion when you know there is a big goal that maybe it decides a game and you can break down that one goal but when they take it to the levels they used to on Sky Sports I think Mika Richards and people like that have just made people think football's not I know that people take football very seriously but it's not in terms of breaking the game down tactically. I don't think it needs to be that serious for fans and and pundits and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. I, I'd like to. I mean, this is this is blowing some smoke up our ass. But I think that that's why we do this podcast because we're not experts. We've just been watching footy for years. I've forgotten ninety nine percent of the stuff that I've seen. I've uh, accepted my role as the internet's uncle now. But it's just it's it's meant to be a laugh. It's something that you you watch for ninety minutes. You have a couple of conversations about, and then you move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Watch CBS. We need to have a way we can get CBS legally over here, because watching that YouTube channel is fantastic. Yes, and we we always watch football legally. I do. I don't know about you. I don't know why you're being so sarcastic there. I'm not. I'm just, I'm being, you know, frank. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, after listening to your discussion about domestic cups in last week's podcast, excuse me, I thought I'd tell you what I've been thinking about to do with the Carabao Cup. The current price for the Carabao Cup is a place in the Europa Conference League 
Unless the winner qualifies for a higher competition, then it reverts to the next available league position. With this in mind, I have long thought that it, it, that this competition should be heavily reformed so that it is only contested by teams that are not in European competition. You will have the 72 EFL teams that can enter from round one and 13 Premier League teams that can enter from round three. If you want to move the final to May, then that is only a matter of moving the competition to a later start date. With this, in theory, you get a different winner of the competition each season and a new, time, new team qualifies for Europe. Also, this does ease the fixture congestion for those teams that already play European co- in European competitions. I would love to know your thoughts. Love the podcast. Up the Chelsea. Oh, up the Chelsea. Oh, I'm a Chelsea pensioner. Oh! Uh, from Lloyd. Sorry, Lloyd, for that last bit, but that's a very, <laughs> very good question. I agree with everything he said there. Yeah. Uh, I remember there being some excitement in Merseyside from, from not the blue half of my family, the White, the super white army, the Tramia side, was uh, back when it was the Worthington Cup and it was Tramia versus Leicester in the final. Mm. And you, you just don't really get things like that anymore. It's it's nice to have Cinderella moments. It's nice to see, you know, teams that don't usually get those cup runs to, to go on them. That plucky Especially, underdog Newcastle this season, obviously. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah we were saying last week, something needs to change. The format needs to change. Um, I'm not in favour of scrapping it. I know there's not too many other, I don't think, FAs that have two cup competitions, are there? Uh, I think is it Spain do, but it's do only they? it's only, only the, I, only the yeah. final they play. I forget what right. it's called. I forgot now. Because <laughs> everyone obviously goes on about the Copa del Rey, but... Then we've got the, the... Or is it Italy who have got the Super Copa? The, Italy's got two, Super but you Copa only play... Italia, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You only play the final of that one because you won the... yeah. I'm just pointing in different directions now, audio listeners. Let us know in the comments down below, because as we said, we're far from experts. You probably mm. know more about football than we do. Um, but there you go. Yeah, I agree with everything he said there. Uh, that would be an, a very interesting discussion to be had with those teams at the top of the team. Because obviously you're a Liverpool fan. Would you miss being uh, or miss having that extra target to hit in terms of a trophy win each season? It depends, because obviously 2022, um, we won it. But we we were going for the quad, and it's it, it's always kind of like you know, oh come on, let's complete the set kind of thing. It's we, I don't think we've pushed for it, but silverware, is silverware. If you, if you say you're not asked about winning the cup, you're a liar. Like yeah. even if I'm not asked about the group rounds and you know the quarters and that, once you realise you're in contention for it, you're all in. But um, yeah, because as, as it's been shown this week with all the internationals, like it was the um what's called the nations league finished up this week. And there's just, there's too much football, not in terms of watching it, but even for some of the players as well, we're going to run them into the ground. And I think we're going to get more and more injuries. So if we can lessen, obviously for some teams, lessen the amount of competitions they're in, then it will be to the benefit of the actual, the teams themselves, the players and the quality of football that we get as well. Yeah, absolutely. I just think I think that's such a good idea. At the end of every season, look at the teams who qualify for European uh, competitions and just make that rotation every year. So if someone like Villa gets in Europe this season and maybe doesn't next season and they go back into the EFL Cup and get a chance of getting in Europe a different way, I think it's a wonderful idea, Lloyd. You yeah, football genius. Like you're saying with like Villa, because it, it would help them out in theory in Europe as well if they've got one less competition to focus on that they're like, right, we can actually give this a bit more of a bit more of a shoe and if we need to so yeah get him in the fa get out the matthew harden stand get into the fa Lord. 
Right, we're about to have our pants pulled down now, Jack Atkins. Hey, lads. Of course we are. <laughs> just wanted to say something from last week's podcast, and you were talking about Real Madrid's finances. I am a Real Madrid fan, so I can tell you something about that. Real Madrid is 51% owned by the city of Madrid, and we do not have any owner. Did you know that? Because I didn't. I just assumed Fiorentina Perez was the owner. A president is elected. Of course, he is a president. The president is elected by the board to run operations every few years. Unlike City, PSG, or Chelsea, there is no one pumping money into the club, and the club can only run on finances generated by the club while yes right now we are spending quite a lot of money there was a long stretch after the 2019 window where we signed no one Camavinga cost 30 million then we bought Chuamani for 100 million those were the only money signings in the last four years while we're making some other free transfers the new stadium by the way was is financed by a loan taken by the club which will be paid in, in installments over the next 30 years I like many others I'm not a fan of the Super League but what Fiorentina Perez was getting at was the fact that we had to stick, uh, sit back many transfer windows while COVID was happening while teams like City had no issues and were paying big money to sign Grealish and Haaland for example while PSG were paying over 150 million a year in wages to the likes of Neymar Mbappe and Messi and at one point not and at one and at one point, non-owned clubs, oh God, which are not able to compete with them unless those in power take some sort of action, which they have not. Then he sent me a second email, which I've tacked on to the end of this one. Madrid releases their records uh, publicly every year, and even last year we had a transfer budget of over 400 million generated by club income. We only signed Chiuamani for 100 million and got Rudiger on a free. Keep up the good work. I've been enjoying the podcast so far, and that's from Mac. There you go. Have you? Does your ass feel relatively tanned right now after being spanked so hard? It does, yeah. It, it's 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 a wonderful shade. Um, yeah, like you're saying, I, I didn't realise they were 51 percent owned by the city of Madrid, and just that transfer budget of over 400 million generated from club income. I think at the root of it, it's just sour grapes as a Liverpool fan that we're probably not too far behind in club revenue and how much money we bring in but we're just told oh it's, it's 40 quid and you'll like it and also this week when I think I read from either from Perez or it might have just been a tweet saying right we, we've signed Bellingham we're, we're not getting Mbappe we're going to get Hosselu instead so that's us done spending it's like ah yeah perhaps I just get distracted by the big signings and yeah I'll I'll, I'll, I'll concede this one to Mark yeah up the Mac. very very good email indeed <laughs> What do you mean? What are you laughing at? Up the mark. Just up the mark. Up the mark. But after hearing you just have that moment of like soberization, if you want, and just like, oh, mm. I've got it wrong and fair play. I feel like I want to test out this software a little bit more by playing you a song that will inspire you and take you forward in life even more. I'm going to let it go now and just see what happens in terms of this, because this is unbelievable. <laughs> just sit back, everybody, and listen. This is my favorite song of all time. When I'm feeling down, I put this on and I feel better about my life. Is it Paparazzi by Exhibit? No, no, no. If you can keep <laughs> your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. That's enough for that because we'll probably get copyright claim, but that's Des Lynam's If. Uh, Rudyard Kipling, obviously, I guess, wrote the lyrics for Des. But Des spoke them, like un- unlike anyone else could, I think. And I just thought I'd play that there because I, th- I felt like you were feeling a bit down after Mac had pulled your pants down. But I yeah. guess I'm in the same boat because I just... Obviously, you hear about Real Madrid president Fiorentina Perez, but you just think there's a different structure with the Spanish teams than we have over here. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I've never understood, because obviously when it comes to the elections and like a political election... 
the candidates have to put forward what the, what they're going to do. And usually it's it's just like, for example, this isn't me actually picking a real example. It's pulling one out my arse. But someone saying, vote for me and I'll get you every player you could ever want. And somehow I'll somehow make football games 110 minutes long, you know. And you, you often think, how, how are the able to say these things that they have to follow up on but like you said if it's if it is down like we're saying the other week being run as a club with members and board and stuff like stuff like that it makes more sense so yeah i, I will concede that i i was ignorant on the the running of real madrid but i still don't like you uh, <laughs> i like you mark i just don't like your team <laughs> Do you know another song, another song I've just realised exists in football and will probably get us around copyright because I'm confident no one actually owns the song. Do you Is remember Meat Pie Sausage Roll? No, do you remember Lamar Lualua who played for Newcastle back in the day? Portsmouth, yeah. other yeah. teams like that. The Dominican Republic. Are oh, the Republic of Congo? I've got it wrong. What's the D stand for? I forgot. Democratic Republic Democratic. of Congo. God, Ross, you silly man. He had a song written for him by fans. It's unbelievable. Listen to this bass line. I'm confident we'll not get copyright stricken by this one. Lumana, 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 Lua, Lua. Lumana. Wait to get the, 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 not the chorus, the other bit, the verse. Lua, Lua. See him dribbling. See him dancing. See him scoring. Oh, don't know the lyrics. Anyway, that's by. Omooman! Lumana Luwa the song. I'm just, honestly, I'm just over the moon this, this software is now working, so that'll be the last time <laughs> I exploit it without being actually linked to what we're saying. Um, but now we move on to the big question, which is, is the Saudi Arabian League going to end football? <laughs> we run through what we know so far. <laughs> the confirmed deals of this summer 2023 transfer window are as follows. I might have missed one, but let me know if I have done. If anything comes to mind, Jack, just shout at me. Uh, Karim mm. Benzema has gone from Real Madrid to Al Idihad on a free transfer. N'Golo Kante has gone from Chelsea to the same team for on a free transfer. Ruben Neves has gone from Wolves to Al Hilal for 60 million. The deals that could still happen is where Satya on the 21st of June. Oh, happy summer solstice. Yeah, here we go. Up the summer solstice. Um, Koulibaly could go from Chelsea to Al Hilal. Zia could go from Chelsea to Al Nasir. Uh, Mendy could go to Chelsea to Al Ali. Bernardo Silva, apparently, there's talk of him going to Al Hilal. Wilfred Zaha could go from Palace to Al Nasir. Neymar could go from PSG to Al Hilal. Brozovic could go from Inter Milan to Al Nasir. Saul from Atletico Madrid to somebody. Rejected deals. There have been some rejected. So, uh, well, we'll stick. we'll stop there because that is... What could happen this summer is where sat here on the 21st of June. Isn't mm. that terrifying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think with the silver one, because obviously we all know I'm a big fan of Bernardo Silva, I think he said his preference is to stay in Europe because he's 28, Eight, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think he has realised that oh, I can still play at the top level for a few years. Um, there were some, again, there's probably fans being a bit sour grapes um, about the fact that Chelsea are getting rid of all the dead wood over there. And there was questions about the PIF's involvement with Chelsea owner Todd Bowley and the investment company. I read a thing on The Athletic before saying that, you know, financial experts were saying that's not really the way they're set up. It wouldn't make sense. It, it just happens to be that it's a mutually 
beneficial deal. There's no underhand tactics to it. Um, it's a mad one. Like we were saying before, and like we were saying the other week, it's going to be judged in a season or two because it's it's too early to tell. I think the main thing will be if they get a a good distribution deal for the league. Like, for example, say if it was something like on Prime or on Twitch or something which does have such a market penetration and a massive reach, that could get people tuning in more. Who knows? I mean, look at the MLS after Beckham went. It was still a good few years, really, until it started creeping. Bradley Wright Phillips killed that league. <laughs> Bradley he, Wright, right, right. When he went over there from, I, I don't know, I most associate him with his time in England as playing for Charlton in League One of the Championship. Mm. When he went over there and started scoring for fun, I think that was when English football fans went, oh, that's, that's not a league we should probably give any time to. Yeah. Because it's Bradley Wright Phillips, and he's 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 performing like prime <laughs> Stefan Guivert or someone like that over there. <laughs> but yeah, it's again, I'm I'm still not really going to pay it any mind. I don't really have a burning desire to watch it. Um, if all these deals go through or the ones that do, it'll be interesting to see if they are fully going for it or if they're kind of phoning it in. Um. An unrelated example when um, my mind's just gone blank. Iniesta went, Iniesta went to Vissel Kobe in Japan. Yeah. I've not seen anything of him in Japan, but I don't know whether he's been a revelation for him. Or he's, he's just left. Going. He's on a free transfer, I think, this summer. Yeah. I was like, we should sign up with Newcastle. Imagine like just closing out the minutes in the Champions League and Joe Linton goes off for Andres Iniesta. That'd be beautiful. Come on it? now, that's what you want, is it not? Yeah. Well, you're going to need someone to replace Bruno because of that absolutely stupid rumour that was hitting the internet last week. 30 million, I think I saw. Oh, could yeah. you imagine? That's, that's probably worth, his left calf's probably worth 30 million. Yeah, like 30 million and... Um, was it 30 million and Rafinha for Bruno or was it Bruno and 30 million for Rafinha? Something that was yeah. absolute bollocks anyway. But um, yeah, my point was I, I've, I've not seen how Iniesta's played in Japan where he just thought this is easy this and he's just poking it around and getting paid out the arse but I don't know it's I'm, I'm going to pay it little mind Um, the one thing is there's I don't know if there's any players at Newcastle where Newcastle fans have been thinking oh if an offer from Saudi came in for him like John Joe Shelby if the Saudis came in uh, the Saudi league came in and were just like, oh, 20 million for John Joe Shelby. Yeah, you'd bite the hand off for it, wouldn't you? Of course you, you would. But then again, yeah. that, I think Newcastle will stay, well, hopefully from a fan's perspective, will just stay well away from any dealings with any of the Saudi Arabian teams because obviously that raises a lot of questions that as yeah. a Newcastle fan, I would not be confident of them answering very well. Indeed, because yeah. how could they? There's clearly something going on if something like that happens. Um, but thank you to Nottingham Forest for taking Shelby and Chris Wood off our hands for over £20 million. I forgot <laughs> Shelby went, obviously. Yeah. I, he, I was got convinced, ban- like- he got banished from the training ground for being an arse, apparently, because he didn't get picked yeah. for a game or something like that. I forget, I forget what the story was now. But yeah, Chris Wood on July the 1st was... Oh, sorry. Was it last week? I forget. It might have been last week. Was confirmed fifteen million quid they hmm. paid for him. I remember Chris Wood going, but I just completely thrown out of the other side of my head that Shelby had gone. I think we I got... was convinced I saw him in Liverpool the other day, but it was just a bald, shiny man. <laughs> I'm sure we got like fifteen million quid for. Uh, sorry, ten million quid for Shelby, and the fifteen for uh, Chris Wood. Oh, oh we've fun. got some 
smooth operators at Newcastle. Anyway, oh, yeah. I think I'll, I'm going to save my big fear for the very end of this discussion, but we'll look at the deals that have been rejected so far. Lionel Messi could have gone to Al-Halal, but obviously went over to America instead. Steve Gerrard could have gone to al Etif. I don't want to mm. say that because obviously it's going to get picked up by YouTube censors. He could have gone to a team in Saudi Arabia, which sounds like a, a swear word, if it was said by Terry Tibbs uh, off the of face jacket. <laughs> Talk to me. Yeah, exactly. Tick, tickle me. Um, but Steven Gerrard does not want to be tickled by that particular Saudi Arabian team. Romelu Lukaku has apparently turned down a move to Al Hilal. Jose Mourinho, oh, sorry, Jose Mourinho has uh, turned down a move to Al Ali. Uh, Son mm. has turned down a move to Al Itihad. And I think there was one more, but I can't remember. Um, but that is the shining hope that there are players. I guess Messi you can't really put in that bracket because he's at the end of his career. He can do what he wants. He's achieved everything there is to achieve. So fair play to him. But he likes the Lukaku and your sons who are just, you know, entering the peak or in the peak in terms of son. Um, it's good to see them turn a move down. Yeah, yeah. But how long will that be know. the case, though? Because it, it, does, yeah. it does feel like Ruben Neves is that watershed moment for silence over there because so far it has been your, your Benzema's your Kante's and people like that who have achieved everything there is to achieve just about in football and will play out their days just to get a you know a pretty penny in their pocket so to speak um, but yeah that Neves one is it, it shook the fear in me but it, it's the second most fearful thing about this because obviously the comparisons to China have been about now just because you know China were making a big move like 10 years ago they signed yeah. Oscar and Demba Bar went there at one point I think and who else went there I can't remember now off the top of my head Oh God! Lots no. of a few players. Uh, what was he called from there? The, 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 uh, look, um, what was he called at P- PSG? Oh God, no! At Napoli, what was his name? Oh Jesus, can't remember oh, the, his name. Um, the forward, yeah, that man. He went over there. He, he was he was good. Him, that man. You know that guy. I should have done more research before this. Anyway, I learned this week that the Chinese government then pulled all the funds from whatever governing body there was over there in China who were bringing over these players to improve things like, you know, not sports wash, so to speak, but, you know, just to to heighten the profile of stuff in China. And that big fear is the fact that that can't happen in Saudi Arabia because it is, like, it is linked to the government, this entire thing, the fact they're trying to get Saudi Arabia to be a place... I saw someone say it, and it's stuck in my mind forever now. They're trying to get, like, how... English people see Benidorm. They're trying to get Saudi Arabia viewed by the rest of the world. And that is a wonderful vision to have. Will it actually happen? I don't know. <laughs> the global Benidorm. The global Benidorm. But yeah, just yeah. that place that people seek to go out for a week away or a weekend away or, you know, just a tourist destination. Um, mm. Obviously, that's that thing about the population being like, was it 70% under the age of 30 or something like that? Oh, um, right. So this is obviously why they're getting the big names over there to heighten the profile and on top of that, heighten the tourism and stuff like that. So the fact that government aren't going to go, well, we're not going to have that happen anymore, that's the terrifying thing for me, that they have endless bounds of money and they could just go and pick the Premier League, the Champions League's best players and say, here's everything in the world you could ever possibly want. Do you value your competitions more than your paycheck? Because if you don't, come on down. <laughs> I mean, there's still a lengthy amount of time before the transfer window closes. Mm. So who knows? I think we might see a couple more absolutely mad deals. Yeah, it'll be a shame. But who knows in two years' time that could be... Because could you see a, a, a way for maybe European competition and Saudi Arabian competition to intertwine somehow? You know those teams that have been taken over by the PIF and the, and the government and whatnot? Mm. There's four teams. There's one in the second division and three in the first division. I think Al-Ali was one of them. 
Al Itihad was one of them, and I've forgotten the third one. Is it Al Nasir? Maybe. I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head. What if they got into the Champions League somehow? I'm just I asking. Don't think, am I asking I don't, for another Super League there? Because that's a terrifying thing if I've just said that without knowing. I think <laughs> I think you are. I think it's just going to be, at least for now, it's going to be the lucrative pre-season friendlies. I wouldn't even be surprised if somehow they managed to squeeze mid-season friendlies into it as well. Especially now the World Cup, that's set the precedence that, that we can deal with, yeah. you know, a month off domestic football because of a tournament happening somewhere. So why couldn't stuff like that happen? I guess football, I guess money talks in football, doesn't it? That's a, yeah. that's the big revelation at the end of this podcast. Money talks <laughs> in football. <laughs> you look so happy when you press that button. I've only that. I've only got eight sound effects. Though. I need I need more. If you got any sound effects, let me know what you you want to see or hear in the in the comments down below. What you need? You need a whistle. You need some kind of cheer. You need a dinosaur. You need. Uh, I don't know, a duck. Um, yep, these are all relevant things to the podcast. Any closing this, remarks before we go this, away? This from is me? just like <laughs> stat padding, basically, just trying to get the time of this up. Uh, you need someone jumping into a swim pool. Um, yeah, no closing con- um, comments this week. I am more hydrated this week. I'm not as warm. I've changed to the little crappy earbuds because those other ones were absolutely boiling my head. Oh, so. yeah, I'm a sweaty boy in this room, let me tell you. I don't think I've quite been Yadar this week, so onwards and upwards for that, uh, considering <laughs> considering it's not been the most exciting week for football, apart from soccer aside. But, uh, soccer aside? Just, that sounds like a new brand of five-a-side football. That. Let's go down ooh, for a I game guess. of soccer aside. How does that get played out? Uh, you have to play with one of those um, beach footballs. Oh, yeah. You have to wear yeah. a unicorn around your midriff. Yeah, that could be like that. that what's it called? You put your body in the ball and you just bump into other people. Zorb football. I was zorbing. zorbing. Yeah. yeah, let's go unicorn. Unicorning. <laughs> On that note, watch out for the ch- the transfer roundup that'll be coming to the channel and the Spotify and the Acast and wherever you you get your podcast from. Apart from Apple, mm. we haven't sorted that one out yet. So bear, uh, just hold your horses, the Apple Podcast listeners, uh, which won't be listening to this. It, yeah, aye. We're actually mm. watching it on YouTube. It could be coming there soon, but it's on Spotify, Acast, all the podcast places apart from Apple. It'll be coming to there soon. I've been Ross Tweddle, joined by a Jack Atkins who is not starved of oxygen to his brain because of the heat. That's a very valid excuse, and that's maybe why I'm the way I am in this room today, because this room's very warm. I need yeah. a different room. I need somewhere professional to do this stuff. I mean, you can literally see cardboard boxes behind me, so I can't really say anything. Yeah. Aye, mm. we'll just end it there, shall we? Saudi Arabia is not going to end football. Is that what we've just said there? Yeah, why not? There we go. Lovely. Great. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>